Networking and marketing made simple is for you, the business owner who has a product, a service, or a message that you believe in. My name is Scott Aaron, and each week we'll take a behind the scenes look into the real world marketing and networking tactics and strategies for getting what you have in front of you to a lot more people. Thanks for spending time with me. And now let's get started. So Frank, welcome to today's episode. And I always find it really interesting how people connect and and the temperature of what's going on in today's society. And uh, Frank and I met through a mutual friend, Andy Neary, who uh, was a client and good friend of mine. And I've been following Frank on LinkedIn, which is obviously you guys know my platform of choice and just amazing content that he puts out. And I, you know, wanted to reach out and we, we had a nice conversation a, a few weeks back and, and he's here now on the podcast. So Frank, number one, thank you so much for being here. And number two, for the listeners that aren't familiar with you and your work, uh, tell the audience a little bit about what you do, but more importantly, how you got into what you're doing. You got it, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really excited for this and gotten into, I mean, so a little bit just kind of backdrop of me based in, in New Haven, Connecticut, originally from Hollywood, Florida. Um, I got an eight-year-old daughter that keeps me super pumped up about life. And um, I'm a family guy. And I got my wife. Uh, the three of us are kind of this awesome little team here, especially these last few months being work from home. But uh, so, 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 so my business, I run a, a national company in HR technology called EBM. And we work with insurance brokers and consultants and carriers, all kinds of folks to deliver HR tools for, for health and welfare and employee benefits. And I'm really just, uh, I love what I do. I think, uh, you know, just being passionate about what you do, I get to do it every day. I, I love the people I work with. I love our partners. Uh, so that really excites me. But I'm really someone who I've lived by this philosophy. Every day I wake up inspired to be a better version of myself. And I do that by three, three, three points. So learn, create, share. I want to learn something new. I want to create something that didn't exist. And I want to share something with someone. And, you know, we're doing, we're doing that right here. So it's pretty awesome. And I'm just, uh, I got, I'm a pretty hyper guy, lots of energy. And I just, I, I really enjoy life. I have this, you know, attitude of gratitude. I've been preaching to everyone and, and I hope people listen, but uh, I, I feel like, you know, we're going through some tough times, but I have a lot to be thankful for. And I really, really am excited for the future as well. So how, how have you bobbed and weaved through this interesting 2020? I mean, we're, I have a wife, I have an eight year old. Uh, we, we we're kind of living parallel. Lives. I have a boy, so it's a little bit, uh, he keeps me very, very busy. <laughs> But how, how have you bobbed and weaved through this whole thing? You know, were you working remotely before? Um, are you working more remotely now? When things do open back up, do you see yourself going back into the workplace? Do you like what you've created at home? What's that transition been like for you? Yeah, lots of opinions there. I think you'll, you'll hear from me. So one is, you know, we're a tech firm nationally based. And we've, we've always had the ability uh, for people to, to work remote and, and telework and work from home. So that's sort of been our culture for many years now. When we got forced to work from home and it was the shutdown, we quickly made a pivot. We've been, our office shut down middle of May. So we were completely, I mean, middle of March, completely shut down now about five months. 
but it was a pretty quick pro, you know, cut and dry for us. You kind of, kind of, everyone was, was ready for, for work from home already approved. So we, some security measures in place, we had to tighten up, but outside of that, it was a pretty seamless process. We really didn't miss a beat there. While we were working from home, we were we kind of just pulse checking, hey, check-ins with everyone. How's everyone doing? Things working out? What's working? What's not working? And we were like, hey, maybe people want to always work from home. Maybe that's what they love to do. So we sent out a survey. HR sent out a survey and said, hey, if you want to work from home, um, let, let us know. And, and it'd be a permanent situation. So uh, surprising to me, um, about half the team was like, yeah, we love working from home. We want to do it forever. Um, I am a report to the office kind of guy. Love being in the office, love being around people, love collabing, um, which you can do to an extent today. We're still doing that. It didn't go away, but I just love the human interaction. I'm a big fan of that. So um, I, I'm in my own office. I got my home office here. It's a dedicated space. I got my setup, my big monitors. I mean, I got every, I'm good to go here, but I miss the office. I, I can't wait for the office to open back, to back, uh, open back up. Um, you know, loving the family time. I got my daughter. She's actually, I can hear her. She's in the other room there. Said so, she'll, she pops her head in when I'm in meetings and all kinds of craziness. So it's fun to be home. Um, but I do, I've missed the office. We will open back up. There's a portion of our staff that in our Connecticut location, that's going to want to come back to work and, 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 and something else that in the before this pandemic, I bought a massive commercial building um, that we were moving into, and now you know things change a little bit. We're gonna have some tenants in there, uh, which my goal is. You know, I wanted to be in commercial realty. I wanted to start investing in commercial realty. So uh, no, no, nothing major there. We're just gonna allocate more towards tenant space. But it's a uh, it's been a crazy kind of interesting ride and some some pivots that I've had to do. What would you say are the, the the one or two biggest lessons that you've learned throughout this pandemic? Because again, I've been kind of primed for this. I've been working from home for the last four and a half years. So not much has changed with my schedule. Obviously, the, the homeschooling and, and that whole thing has been a little bit um, different. But as far as my day to day with myself and my wife, you know, she's upstairs in her office. I'm downstairs in mine you know, we meet in the middle throughout the day. But what's been the biggest lesson for you throughout this whole process? And when you do go back into the workplace, how is that lesson going to impact moving forward? Uh, I mean, from an organizational standpoint, I feel like one of our, one of the biggest things in, in many organizations struggle with it. So I'm sure it'll resonate with the audience is, is communication. How do you effectively communicate? You know, I always refer to the old telephone game you played in school or you tell someone something by the time it gets around the classroom it's something totally different organizations operate that same way it's it's by the time i'm the leader of the organization and sometimes what i say doesn't get to the right people the way i want it to and sometimes what people want to say but it may never get to me so communication's always been huge for us i think working from home over communicating has been something that we've had to learn to do. I think it's very important now more than ever that since you're not calling people into the office together, you're not having weekly meetings or daily meetings or kind of powwows where it's, we sent everyone a camera. Here's a camera, plug it in. When we, when we talk to each other, let's do it face to face as often as possible. And when you talk to clients, let's flip that camera on and, and try to keep that interaction together. So, so the communication piece, uh, has been a, a big one for us, not only just because we've always kind of sort of struggled with it as an organization, but when you get everyone separate, 
and everyone's kind of in their own little pods working remotely, uh, I think it's more important than ever for, to make sure everyone feels valued, feels like their voice is still being heard, and, and, uh, and, and that continuity continues to happen. So what, from what, you know, obviously from an HR standpoint, but also uh, working remotely standpoint, with the people that you've been interacting with within the organization and the company, what, what have people been struggling most with during the whole pandemic of, of having to work from home and uh, the potential of maybe continuing to from work from home uh, in the ongoing future? What, what's, what's the biggest things and um, I would say tripwires that you see people experiencing right now? Yeah, well, I would say anything. I mean, for us, even though we were a work from home uh, organization, yeah, we, we deal with sensitive information, pr protected health information and, and people's socials and dates of birth and things like that that we have to take very seriously. So when we implement a permanent work from home or telework situation, everyone, those guidelines need to be followed by everyone. And, and the larger the organization, the harder it is to keep track of all that. And for us, with the employees that weren't, you know, there was sort of the work from home, there, we had certain standard protocols in place. But when they said, hey, we want to work telework, now we're sending them the machines, we're sending them their dual monitors, we're sending them all company equipment because we know it's our equipment, it's approved spec wise, what the data security requirements are for their internet, for their modem, are their firewall protected? So that to me was the biggest struggle, not only for us and our, our, our HR person that had to hand down the BYOD policies and all these policies, but for the employees, it was a big change to you know, really having to understand how data is protected, how data is secured, and then for them, a lot of them, you know, they're not IT people. So you, you're home and you're figure, you're on your home network, you just browse the internet. It's one thing, but now when we're requiring these other uh, these other things that need they need to abide by, I think it was that was you know for them a struggle. It was like you know why do we have to do all this and and really kind of understanding that. Which it was it, now that it's done, they're like oh, we got it done. We understand it, but I think. It was a big obstacle for us to go through, especially because of the fact that we deal with such sensitive information. And, you know, I, I see this time period that we're going through right now. A lot of people see it as a very sensitive time. It's a very uh, uncertain time and unknown time. And, you know, I see it almost as a, a parting of the Red Sea time period where there's going to be new things that are going to be invented. There's going to be new things that are going to be created. There's going to be a lot of good that comes out of something that is very unknown and uncertain. And obviously you being in the position that you are with what you do, what, what changes do you see happening to the, the HR profession or um, you know, the, the culture of companies? How do you see that all shifting with what's going on in, in 2020 and beyond? Man, I'll tell you, we saw organizations really struggle the past few months, uh, clients in, in all kinds of ways. Some, uh, a lot of our clients, we deal with pretty large organizations. So a lot of them were able to, it's not like you lose revenue for a couple months and you never see them again. These big organizations, they're prepared to weather the storm. And, and that's a great thing. We did see some smaller clients that we had get hit really hard and, and have to go out of business, close their doors. And then and we manage COBRA. So COBRA is when you lose your job, you, you're eligible for COBRA benefits. You can stay on the plan and pay. And it's usually very expensive. We had to deal with a lot of employees that lost their job, got laid off. And it's, you know, our, our kudos to, to the team for dealing with those types of things because you're dealing with people who are very emotional, have no, kind of in a panic. Um, so we've kind of all in that mix 
really dealt with the HR teams that weren't, many of them were not prepared for, for what, what happened with people being forced to stay home. They're, so they're dealing with so much. And then our, our technology is employee self-service. So it's, a, it's meant to help them because it's self-service means laptop, desktop, smartphone, tablet. They can access it from anywhere at any time, which helped them. But I think a lot of the employees, it was now an, it's, it was a must to use the technology. And the fact that HR is not only just focused on health and welfare, but they got payroll going on. They got all shifts they need to get covered. They got employees that are going through dealing with COVID or working with some protecting a family member who's dealing with COVID. So there's all those craziness and we're sort of embedded in that process with the team, either on the employee or the employer side. So it was, it was crazy and pretty hectic. Uh, but I would say, you know, overall, we we really we we did what we could where where we could and i think our partners really appreciated that so no matter what kind of organization that you're running whether someone has a network marketing organization or an organization like yourself there's there's definitely there there's been th- some things that have been impacted culture wise with with this whole pandemic so what are some things that you have done to continue the, the the bond and the the growth of the culture for your business that that people can focus maybe a little bit more on the growth and the culture of the business that they're running right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when you talk about culture and, and those types of things internally, I, as an EBM as an organization, we've I feel like we've always embraced culture. I've always pushed for culture. I'm a passionate leader. I've cried in front of my team. I think my team knows when I get up there, how when I talk about the job that they do, the work that they do, uh, everything that they do, they're all part of this. We're all part of this mechanism, this wheel. And I'm nothing without my team. And I've always preached that um, because they're, they're coming in and helping me pursue my passion and my dream. This is, this is Frank's dream. And they're there to support me and, and our clients so I think from a, we've always had a great culture. We have a very diverse culture as well. And, and I feel like everyone knows how, how appreciated they are within the organization. So those, those have always been important. You know, some, some organizations that struggle with that, I, I feel like you know, that's been exposed. But, but companies that have been doing the right thing all along have done the right thing these past four or five months and employees, you know, they literally haven't missed a beat, haven't, haven't had to adjust a process because there was a gap there. It's like, no, we've always been this way. This is who we are and what we do. Um, and I feel like we're, we're part of that. And there's a lot of organizations that have always been there and, and, and just like, well, we never had that problem because this is how, you know, we, we run the company or our people are. So we're, I feel like we fit into that area where, you know, for us, it's, 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 we've always embraced culture and I think the team sees it and believes it. Yeah. I, I always tell people that uh, an army of two is twice as strong as an army of one. And, you know, the, the team that you surround yourself with, the, the, the people that you bring into your business, again, just like you, you know, I have, I have a team of, of five or six individuals that, that help the flow of my business. And, there were there would be so many things that would never get done if it wasn't for them. So, you know, showing gratitude and appreciation and thankfulness for someone that's really supporting your dream because they believe in what you're doing is is such a big thing. No matter what kind of business you're running, you know, really spreading uh, th- that vision, but also uh, giving back. Whether it's just telling someone how much you appreciate them and and how grateful and thankful you are for them, it it makes people feel good and it 
it makes them want to continue to be a part of that environment because, you know, I, I, I talked about this on a, on a Facebook live I was doing a few weeks ago. And I said that there's, there's two things that people are craving most right now. They're craving community and they're craving connection because for a lot of people, you know, Connecticut statistically actually is in the best uh, wellness condition with COVID-19. They have the lowest percentage of, of cases right now. So kudos to, to Connecticut for doing the right thing. But there's a lot of states, you know, New Jersey included, where we're still having to, to practice social distancing and quarantining in some areas. And people are really craving that. So with, with what's going on right now, for the people that, you know, outside of, of, of your company and, and your industry, what are some things that people can do to raise the level of community, raise the level of connection uh, in the environment that we're in right now? Uh, I'll tell you, I feel like there's a lot of really great leaders in, in, in organizations. And, and when, I, when I talk about necessarily the leader, I don't mean the, the, the CEO or like me, I'm the founder of the organization. I don't call myself the CEO. But when you look at companies, there are people that are in positions to that, that really have the best, everything for the best of the organization, the employees, the people they work with, all the things that you touch. Because you look at an organization, you're touching clients and partners and all the people that you work with, this whole supply chain. And there's people within these organizations that I feel many times feel stifled within a company. I feel like they don't have a voice or they, they don't speak up because they're like, well, I report to so-and-so and if I do that, maybe there's going to be some negative repercussions. Um, and, and some of that maybe is being flushed out now because people are saying, hey, I, I can speak up. I, I, I don't have to deal with this. But I would tell anyone out there who feels like they don't have a, vo a voice, who feels like they're being stifled with an organization, if you speak up, chances are there's other people in the organization who are feeling exactly what you are and there's strength in numbers. So people stay quiet. Uh, and, and just a quick little you know, pivot to that. I, I use a phrase a lot of times, even with my, my, my daughter, I use it with my company called closed mouths don't get fed. Uh, when I was working at a company, before I started my, my own business, I worked at an organization. I thought I was going to get a, a, a raise. I thought I was going to get this promotion. The spot came open. I wanted it. I figured I was going to get picked. It was me. I was the guy. I worked harder than everyone. I knew everything. I was outgoing, worked overtime, whatever needed. Position came and went, and I didn't even get nothing. No one even called me in to talk to me about it. So I went to my manager, Steve, and I was like, what's up, man? I thought that was me. And he was like, I didn't even know that you wanted that. I didn't you know. You're, you're going to college. I figured, you know, this this wasn't something you wanted to invest in. And he had no idea. And he told me, closed mouths don't get fed. He said, if you want something in life, and this was like a life lesson for me that he told me this. He's like, if you want something in life, you need to open your mouth and speak up because I can't read your mind. And that's, and he's the leader. He was the guy and I was making, making decisions. But even now for me, it's, a, I've never forgotten that. It was about 20 years ago. He told me that he literally can remember it because it's such great advice. And I encourage anyone out there to really think about that. Closed mouths don't get fed because if you don't open your mouth, the answer is always no. And, and, and again, leaders cannot read your mind. Like I want to know what my, what's going on on my team, but if they don't tell me, even if it's a sidebar, bring me alone or, or if it's on a group meeting, bring something up because again, I don't know what I don't know. And there's many times that there are great leaders out there who want to help, who want to lend that hand to support. 
but they just don't know what's going on. And, and it just takes someone to open their mouth. There's so much to unpack in, in, in that little segment right there, because it's the truth. You know, my, my dad always told me growing up, he said, when someone says something about how they feel, there's nine others that feel the same exact way. They just haven't said so. And, and, it, and it's the truth. And for me, the one, I, I would say the one strength that I have that I've been consistently working on is asking for help or just opening up my mouth and reaching out to someone and asking for a collaboration. How, we, how can we, so when I read the book, The Science of Getting Rich, it, it completely changed my thought process about how to go about business. And this book was written in 1910. And it's the first money mindset book ever written. And so I tell people all the time, you can read all these other money mindset books, Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad Poor. They're all based off of the teachings in this book by Wallace D. Waddles. And there's so many nuggets in this book. But the one thing that I, I picked out and I've anchored is he says, instead of living in a world of competition and comparison, live in a world of creation and collaboration. So if you want to think about some of the top organizations and the top leaders, what are they best known for? Being creatives and being unbelievable collaboratives. That's, that's how you expand. And I think that's so important, even when you're running an organization. And for the network marketer that's listening to this, if, if you're feeling suppressed in any way with your team, with the top leader or your upline, and you're feeling a certain way, Say something, open your mouth, because that will allow you to open up a new door of a conversation that maybe needs to have. Because Frank, you and I both know what, and this is not just male or female, this is human being related. When you suppress a feeling and you stuff it down, it will turn into something else. It'll, it'll, it'll erupt into a, an abrasive comment or, um, resentment or anger. So whenever I, I always say this to my wife, um, like, like it would be, you know, do you, we were at my sister's doing a social distance double date. They were on one side of the deck. We were on the other. And they asked us if we wanted to play beer pong. And, you know, Nancy was kind of like just indecisive. I'm like, listen, speak your truth. Do you want to play or not? And she goes, I don't want to play. I'm like, perfect. So we're going to do something else. So speaking your truth and letting people know how you feel is so important when you're running an organization, when you're leading a team, but also when you're part of that team and you're part of the organization. So with what you found, communication, no matter what form of business you're in, how important is communication for succeeding in what you're looking to achieve? It's tangent. It's 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 everything hinges on the the proper communication. The success of an organization hinges on the team's ability to communicate. No matter where, if it's if it's a a peer to peer and, and you're in the same kind of role, or it's a superior or a superior that that is speaking to someone who's you know maybe on the accountability chart and in a different spot. I feel like that piece internally is the success of the organization. We run. Uh, for anyone out there who's a business owner, uh, I'll give you a, if you never heard of it, we run what's called EOS. It's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. If you don't know about it, check it out. Uh, there's a book called Traction. It's a great book you can read and it kind of surrounds it. So um, Gino Wickman. And 
So EOS is actually, it's, it's basically like if you think of Microsoft or Apple as your computer uh, operating system, it's how the organization operates. So we have the core values, we have uh, how we communicate, right people, right seats, accountability chart, all these things are a one-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan. And what the premise of it all is, if you talk to Frank and you have a conversation with me about the organization, where we're going, all these things, and then you go pull out someone else who's been on my team, you know, maybe six months or whatever like that, they should be hearing and talking the same way as I am about the organization and about what we believe in and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish and what our mission is. Um, so I feel like that piece there, we implemented EOS because we really wanted a framework there. And that was something that a lot of other entrepreneurs that I know are like, you got to do EOS. But I, that piece there, it's everyone talking the same language. And, and, and I'm, I'm, for me and my team, I'm accessible. They want to reach out to me. They got my, you call me, you can text me, you can call me. If you ever need something for someone, my team knows, reach out to me. I will help you. Anything that I can do for you, I'm going to do. Um, and that's because I like to over-communicate. And I feel like our team understands, if I'm, I'm over-communicating, the team knows, well, I can over-communicate too because Frank does it. So it's the same way. Another thing, um, phone calls that come in. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, you have a, a receptionist or assistant, they pick up your phone or someone go, hey, so-and-so's on. And you're like, I don't know who that person is. Now nah, send them to my voicemail or tell them I'm not available. You're, little do you know, you're, you're, you're planting a seed of a lie. I'm the organization and I'm saying, no, tell them I'm not available. It's a lie. If you are available, you're available, or you don't want to talk to them. So that piece there, even though it seems insignificant, because then your client says, I mean, your employee, when they're bad client calls or something they don't want to deal with, they're like, oh, tell them I'm not available. If Frank does it, I do it. And that's the same thing. It's just a different scale. And that's, again, you as a every eyes are on the leader. And when you do something, there's all these people that are watching what Frank does. And if Frank does it, how come I can't do it? Uh, and it's not because I'm the owner. I mean, you can't do it because I'm the boss. No, it's not fair. So I feel like those are things there that, you know, that's kind of, again, back to culture. But I think a lot of organizations that do things right, that that is the norm. I always tell people that those in your organization will do everything that you do and they won't do everything that you don't do. Mm. And, and that's the, they, they watch what you're doing and they mimic and mirror. So if they're looking up to you as the leader, you have a responsibility to carve the path and show the way of how people should show up. Because again, we're all learning from each other. Now, you have a, a significant presence on LinkedIn, and that's how I first saw and, and heard about you. And my, my, obviously, that's part of my business. I teach LinkedIn, and you know, I love it as well. For, for the listeners, how, how important has your presence on LinkedIn during COVID-19 and before and moving forward been for you, your organization, and your business? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn has been like a, just a game changer for me. Um, and, and I wasn't, I, I had a LinkedIn account, I don't know, I think 2009, maybe I had a LinkedIn account, you know, just kind of, uh, it, I had got out of my first business was you know, sort of, we went through the crisis there. And I was at a point where I was like, all right, do I want to do the entrepreneur thing again? Or do I want to get a job? Uh, so I created a LinkedIn account because that's where you went to find a job. And, um, and you know, just had the account forever, really wasn't active, you know, maybe signed on once in a while. Um, May 2018, I met Gary Vaynerchuk, sat down with him, had a conversation with him one-on-one. -on -one, and he was like, start creating video on LinkedIn. He's like, it's going to change your life. And, um, you know, it was more of the conversation to it, but that was one of the things that I took away 
six months later, I put out my first video and man, it's been a crazy ride. So, so much fun. Uh, so many amazing people. I, again, I have a, a saying that I say the person who's going to impact your life the most is someone you haven't met yet. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, just you and I connecting, you know, it's like these things, you talked about collaboration. Collaborations are so key. There's all these people out there that you don't know, that know people that you don't know, that know people that you don't know. It's like this whole way it keeps going and going and going. And that's how, that's how businesses are built. That's how relationships are made. That's how trust is formed. And LinkedIn has done that. LinkedIn has allowed me for people to, I bring them into my life. I share stories. I share experiences, things. I, I call myself very relatable. I feel like people are like, oh man, he goes through that. I'm just a guy who picked up the camera and decided to share it with LinkedIn. Um, and, and I've always done that. I've always, I'm known for my honesty. I, I don't sugarcoat things. Um, I, and, and I feel like people, again, get to know me from that. Our clients, our partners, my team is on LinkedIn. I mean, everyone sees the videos. So there's that whole aspect of there of being real. And, and that's what people want. And, and I feel like those people who show up there, it's helped the EBM brand and it's helped you know, the Frank Manger brand as well. Uh, not only you know, during COVID and times of crisis, but also before that clients know that we are, we do what we say we're going to do as an organization. And me personally, you know, there's, I would challenge anyone to, to, that would step up to say, Frank's a bullshitter, Frank lies, Frank this, Frank that. And it's not going to happen because I do what I say I'm going to do. If I tell someone I'm going to do something, my word is my bond. No, I, I, I could not agree more. Uh, like you, I, I, I had a profile in 2009 and um, I jumped on there in 2015 because I was seeking more organic human connection. And, you know, I, I got on there a little bit earlier than people did, but there wasn't even, you, you couldn't even do video when I got onto LinkedIn. It was just posts and articles. And then, you know, I've been doing videos for the last seven years, but when LinkedIn gave you the ability to do those videos and, and, you know, Gary's been a, a huge proponent of LinkedIn. You know, he, he said, Basically, in 2019, he said, if you don't have a marketing plan on LinkedIn for 2020 and beyond, he goes, you are going to be left behind. But also, I love what he says. He goes, your, your net worth is always in direct correlation to your network. And the fact that LinkedIn allows you 30,000 organic connections and then all the followers after that, it, you're going to impact a serious amount of lives if you truly use it the right way. And, and Frank, I love everything that you do on the platform and what you stand for. It, it, it's really what drew me to want to connect with you because, you know, LinkedIn is a, is a place where you want to educate and inform your audience. You want to leave them better. You want to be true, genuine, authentic, and real. And that's everything that you stand for. So before we wind down and I get to my final question, what's the best way for the listeners to find out more about you, what you do, and, and how you could potentially help them? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to find me, if you're on LinkedIn, would be LinkedIn. It's just Frank Mangert. You'll find me there. Um, you can search the hashtag FrankieBaby. That's uh, an easy way to find me, too. All my content is, is tagged there. And, yeah, business-wise, my website is uh, www.getebmechoboymary.com. That's all business-related stuff. But that, if, if, you, if you're looking to reach out, uh, LinkedIn's the way. Send me a DM. Happy to connect. Awesome. And all that information will be in the show notes for you guys to uh, check Frank out and connect with him. Definitely, absolutely watch what he does on LinkedIn. It's amazing content that you can apply to any business. So Frank, final question before we sign off, what does success truly mean to you? 
Uh, I love the question, man. I'll, I'll tell you before I answer it. I I want to say you you run a great show, man. This has been a good. This is awesome. Your show has been grabbing out of a lot of podcasts, and I, and I I don't think I've ever said this to anyone, but you do a you run a hell of a show, man. So pretty awesome. Um, success to me. That's great. Great things. I love that. Success to me is not you know thing material things, models and bottles and boats and jets and fashion and people showing off stacks of cash. 20 years ago, that's what success was to me. A young guy, I'm like, I need to have this. I want to have this. I, I, you know, car, house. When you when you have money, and and whatever you know that money account means to you. But when I got money, I was like, that stuff didn't matter to me because when you can afford to buy essentially whatever you want, success is no longer about money because now you have it. So success, as you know, for I'm going to be 43. 40, you know, 42 year old Frank success is, is the things. If you strip away all the stuff, you take away my car, you take away this house, you take away all those things, what's left and, and who is left. And that's success to me. My, my family, I'm healthy. Uh, every day I get to wake up doing what I love. I have the freedom to, to do whatever I want. And, and, and we don't want for anything. I think those are things that people forget about. Um, I'm, I came from nothing, man. I came, I was poor, very poor family. I know what it's like to have nothing. And I think people that, that grow up and they like had nothing and achieve whatever success means, they, most people will never forget where they came from. And if you stay grounded there and you don't forget where you came from, success when you get there, whatever success means to you, whatever that, you know, that whatever, some people look at it as this destination, but it's a journey. Uh, I think it will evolve and, and hopefully you find whatever that success is. But for me, it's nothing, nothing tangible. It's all about the people I'm surrounded with. Uh, it's the freedom that I have. Um, so awesome question. And, and I love it. Love that answer. And, and I, I appreciate the, uh, the kind words. Uh, you know, I love, I love interviewing. I love having conversations with people. It's, it's part of who I am and just having just general uh, conversation and connecting. So I, I appreciate the kind words and, and I love what you said about success. And, and again, the, the, the young version of me, I'm, I'm a year younger than you. I just turned 41, but you know, the, the other, the old version of me was like, you know, the make and model of my watch, everything was about labels. But then again, when, when you start having success and listen, my, my listeners know I've made millions, I've lost millions if I had to file for bankruptcy at one point, like I've been through the ups and downs, but I've always found a way. And I always tell people success to me is living life by design and being as my friend, Michelle Scaff says, being a life architect, how do you want to design your life? How do you want to live it? And again, I get to wake up, my, my wife gets to wake up, and we get to do what we love every single day. And that is such a blessing. And for the listeners, that could be your entrepreneurial business, or it could be you working for a great organization like Frank's. If you love what you do, you're living a good life. So Frank, number one, thank you so much for being here. Number two, I appreciate you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with my listeners and just grateful for you and your connection. And thank you again for being here. It's been a, a true honor, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So again, as always, guys, wherever you're listening to this too, take a screenshot. You know, you can DM myself or Frank on LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever you are. Let us know your feedback, your takeaways, you know, your big aha moments. So again, please enjoy the rest of your day and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.
Thank you so much again for checking out today's episode. And if you are listening through iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are, please leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you loved, what you would like to see improved, or ideas you have for future episodes. And if you are interested in taking your business to the next level, don't hesitate to go to my website, www.scotterron.net where you can schedule a free discovery call with me where I can learn more about you, your business, what you're struggling with, and how we can work together. And don't forget to check out my wife, Nancy, and mine, our free community on Facebook called LinkedIn Leads for Life. We would love to see you in there. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you, everyone, for your support. Grateful for each and every one of you.